Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Thanks for tuning into this weekend edition of the Rippy Writes podcast powered by Twisted Tea. Today's podcast is a little something different. I talked to Laquan Treadwell, former Ole Miss great at Finch and Kelly, right off the square. Terrific clothing store. Be sure to go check them out. It was brought to you by Blue Sky. Be sure to check out one of their many locations off across the state of Mississippi. We talked to Laquan about his career in the NFL, becoming a veteran, his time at Ole Miss, transitioning to pro football, coming back from his injury, and a whole hell of a lot more. It was good catching up with Treadwell. I really enjoy him. He's one of my favorite interviews, and I really appreciate Laquan's time. I think you enjoyed this podcast, but before we get to that, I want to take one quick break to remind you. If this podcast is brought to you by C Spire, it's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with C Spire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why C Spire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves with the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning, local service based out of the Southeast with industry-low call wait time. Seaspire provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself a hassle by not waiting for your internet to connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online today to cspire.com slash home and use the promo code RIPPY at checkout for one month of free service. That's right. Just for listening to this show, sign up for Cspire Home Internet today and use RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. You get the first month free. How awesome is that? Can't be waiting for the internet to drop. I've got Cspire Home Internet. It is the best. You should do it too. Check them out. Cspire, customer inspired. This podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. As you're listening to this, Skybox Sports Picks college basketball package has gone live on the site. This is their bread and butter. They crush it every single year on college hoops. And if you need any proof of that, they gave away their picks for free on the internet last week, Twitter, wherever else you can catch them on social media, and ended up plus 34 and a half units on the week. Yes, you read that correctly or heard that correctly. Plus 34 and a half units on the week. Trust me, if you're into college basketball, you don't want to miss this chance to profit. They mop up in college hoops every single year. For a limited time, you can use the promo code NCAAB23 for 50% off your college basketball season long picks package check them out today go online find your own picks package to fit your price range maybe you're using the bowl game package as we got college football conference championships bowl season coming up make a little extra christmas money there use the promo code rippy for 20 percent off they're the best sports handicapping service in the world check them out today skyboxsportspicks.com this podcast is also brought to you by lb's university avenue there in oxford if you're a rippy right subscriber that's rippyrights.substack.com get a free newsletter from me plus discounted meats right now if you're a Rippy Right subscriber, just go in and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. If it's a $40 valuation, you're getting there for 20 bucks. Just show him proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make everything in your house better. People will be like, where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel of the South, a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today. LB's University Avenue. They're in Oxford. All right, here is Laquan Treadwell 
Welcome in. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast powered by Twisted Tea. We have Laquan Treadwell back in Oxford. This episode is brought to you by the Oxford Exxon Blue Sky. Visit plenty of their wonderful locations throughout the state of Mississippi. Laquan, back in Oxford by week, early December. How's it feel to be back? Oh, it feels amazing. Got my son with me. Same love, same hospitality, great environment. Couldn't couldn't be better. For you, as you kind of reflect back on your time at Ole Miss, I was a we're basically the same age. I was a college student and I was looking at something the other day and I was kind of thought to myself, damn, the Alabama game in 2014 was nine years ago. You've obviously had a long, successful career in the NFL. Is it kind of wild to look back and think, damn, that was nine years ago at this point? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get a lot of crap from the younger guys in the league right now. So it's not hard to look back when when I'm in uh, when I'm at work and I'm, and I'm, you know, practicing every day. But coming back here is it's a fulfilling feeling, you know, just seeing all the hard work, all the dedication, all the preparation that you put in, you know, being paid off and uh, impacting many people around the neighborhood and communities. You know, those guys that come in from uh, college and, uh, you know, after the game, you do the jersey swaps and you kind of meet in the middle. And a lot of guys like, man, I used to watch you. I used to, so it's it's, it's really uh, fulfilling to come back and get that feel. You signed with Baltimore this offseason. You go into camp. What's it like going into an NFL training camp as a veteran? When did you kind of feel like you were established in the league? You kind of had this under you. Did you feel like a flitch, uh, switch flipped at any year where you're like, okay, I'm kind of a veteran now? Um, no, honestly, it's every year. It's, it's um, You take it year by year. And um, once you get into the year, you take it day by day. And you try to continue to focus on the things that you can do better, things that you do well and um, how you continue to improve your game. Um, so um, going into Baltimore, you know, my perspective was to uh, just allow God to work through me, you know, whatever that may be, you know, I'm not going to try to force anything. Uh, I try to take things into my own hand, you know, uh, God has blessed me with this talent and um, I'm just truly trying to lean, not on my understanding, but God's understanding. So uh, going into this year, that was probably one of the biggest approach to, uh, changes uh, for my career. Um, I've been at a lot more peace doing that, you know, just kind of uh, playing as hard as I possibly can, practicing as hard as I possibly can and letting the pieces fall where they fall, you know, trying to kind of remove myself from the the, the 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 process and just, you know, falling in love with the process. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. For you, the last two teams you've played for have been organizations with a lot of really sound infrastructure. Pete Carroll been there a long time, won a yeah. Super Bowl. John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl. When you arrive in Seattle or you arrive in Baltimore, can you get a sense that you've arrived at an organization with a strong culture? Is that any different than any of the other places you've played? Can you kind of sense that when you get in the building for the first couple of weeks? Yeah, I think every every team has, like you say, a, a, a culture to it. Um, but I can't, you can't tell the difference in different teams that you arrive on. And they may do a little thing different that makes the difference. So um, when I arrived in Seattle, it was later on in the season. So a lot of the things that I was, you know, I, I'm so used to doing to like get myself ready to play, whether that's building relationship with team coaches, uh, teammates, coaches, uh, the organization, you know, it was it was kind of sped up. So it was kind of like I didn't really get to feel the full um, culture of the team. But the team that my teammates, uh, the guys who were in the locker room, you know, those are the guys you look to and you kind of learn through of how the culture works, how the organization works, you know. And they tell you different stories, different things about different things. You kind of grow as as a team go as you stay stay on the team over a period of time. The difference with Baltimore is uh, I did I did feel it from the very beginning because I I started early on. It was more um, going into training camp. I think it was mini camp. I I came. 
I was brought up for a workout, but there, it was full of transparency from the very beginning, you know, um, from the meetings that I had with them uh, leading up to, you know, them sending me back, that bring me back, signing me to the training camp, you know, um, it was full of transparency with my agent, with, with myself, um, you know, it was a situation with a player and they, they literally uh, did what's best for that player. And it showed me what type of organization that I was dealing with. Um, because the player was going through some things and they, they want to get full transparency and full uh, understanding of this player situation before they move forward and work with me. So that that allowed me to come home and, you know, talk to Michael and talk to my, my side and just be like, yo, this is a great organization. Um, we're going to take it day by day and see what happens. And so from that point forward, moving on, it's been the same thing, you know, great organization, great transparency. You know, we work hard, we have fun at the same time. We're winning a lot of games right now, so we just got to continue to stay focused, and um, I just got to continue to trust this process that I'm on with the same. The Ravens' offseason was very interesting because it was seemingly defined by them trying to get more weapons around Lamar, whether it's you, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers. When you go into a new organization like that, what is it like building a relationship with the quarterback? Did you know Lamar Jackson at all? What was that like getting to know him really off the field too, but also kind of the intricacies that come with a football on the field receiver relationship with the quarterback? Yeah. Initially going in, you know, I was, you know, trying to find my foot and it was a lot of different moving pieces, obviously. Um, I was a guy that, you know, came in during many camps. So a lot of things was already kind of moving forward, but it was still early on in the season. You know, I built the relationship organically. You know, me and Lamar has a great relationship. I got a great relationship with all my teammates right now. So that helps, you know, in the locker room. We, 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 I mean, we play cornhole basketball. We do a lot of different things to like build that relationship, whether we're in the, in, in the building or outside the building, we hang out outside the buildings, we go to dinners. You know, if we're playing an away game, you know, we go walk the city together, go shopping together. Like, so it's a lot of things that we do, whether it's the quarterback, the receivers, even with our receiver coaches. It's funny, like all the guys on the team joke about how our receiver coaches like play cornhole uh, with us. Like, they're like, are you guys putting the script together? Like, go, go put the script together. Like, so they joke and we have a good time. But, you know, we got great receiver coaches, great office coordinator. Like everyone's like find out the niche and, and on the team that helps the team flow. And um, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of. Lamar's one of those quarterbacks for the early part of his career. There was a lot of debate about, you know, is he a system guy? Can he make all the throws? And I think in the last couple of years, he's really proved that he's a really good passer for you. If you're trying to explain to someone that maybe didn't know enough about it, like if you're trying to make a case like Lamar Jackson can make all the throws, did you have a moment where you realized that? How would you kind of describe him as a passing quarterback? Absolutely. When I first got to Baltimore, it, it blew my mind because, you know, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, you know, ESPN, they show most of the, you know, breakaway runs and different things that he does. So I never really went and had the chance to like really watch the Baltimore Ravens as far as their offense or, you know, these different things. But when I got there, when I got there, the Baltimore and I'm seeing them, throw every pass and I'm just like it just it just erased everything that you know you hear about him because you know he can make every pass like every pass that and like when he when he gets out the pocket it's a bonus you know we always call it as a two-play quarterback we describe it as two-play quarterback like our number one play in the NFL will be a scramble drill like most most plays break down scramble drill you see the great ones Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen that's when they really win a lot of games and make a lot of plays when they get out the pocket and they do other things, and we got the best quarterback doing it uh, in Lamar Jackson. And it's so easy to to realize that when you're in practice and, you know, he's just out there swinging the ball on the road, 50, 60 yards, you know, 
And, you know, I just think he, it comes with comfort, you know, coaches are, you know, allowing him to, you know, do different things that, you know, he hasn't been able to show early on in his career because he's, you know, he's so elusive with the ball in his hand. A lot of things just come so natural to him. And, you know, so um, I think Lamar, he can make every pass, you know, he's, he's shown that throughout this year too. He's, he's constantly uh, building his, his progress and with his offense, new offense with Todd Monken and uh, the way he called things there, you know, we're all getting on the same page and just, we just keep getting better each week. For you, you mentioned Lamar's athletic ability and the ability to do, you know, both things very well. What's it kind of like being downfield when the play does break down? Like are you downfield, like, yep, these guys are screwed. They lost containment. This guy's fast. Like he's about to kill him real quick. What's it like being downfield when he breaks a run like that? Yeah. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times this year. You know, he broke the pocket and it's like, he slowed down. Like he like, like he does this thing where he slows down on the sideline and then he speeds up again. And it's like, it changed the whole pace. It's like everyone's affected by it. It's, it's crazy. Like, and it's kind of hard to explain because I had never seen it before. And, and anybody running the ball, whether it was a running back receiver, like he does it to where it's like, he slows down the game and he's like, reads it. And then he speeds up again. And it's like, there's a crease and he's like, he finds it and he hits it. But man, he's special. Like it's just, you can't really describe it. It's just something you have to see. Like it's one of those things where you you have to literally go to the game and watch him. Like to explain it is kind of like, and I've watched a lot of guys play. Like I've been around a lot of great guys, but he's like one of the ones that I've I've never seen do some of the things he does on the field. You're in a ridiculously competitive division. I mean, you got Joe Burrow in there, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers, you got Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of likes to joke about AFC North football. Is that actually a different type of football playing those other three teams twice a year? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh it's a definitely a competitive division. Uh one of the hardest divisions that I've been a part of. Uh I mean you see it every division game, you know, it's it's down to the wire. Um whether you're winning, you're losing, you know, the game is never truly over until that that clock hits zeros. And and that's what every game in in NFL, but those division games it, it sends a message to you know, who's going to be the top dog, you know, top dog this year, you know, and you got to win every one of them. You got to go out there, you got to compete, and you got to leave it all on the line for your brother. So um, we've done a good job, and we got to continue to do that. When you turn pro, obviously there's a lot thrown at you at one time. Yeah. You've been in the league a long time now. When you got a few years in, did you, was there anything you looked back on and thought, hey, if I'd have known that, like that would have been really nice to know when I get in the NFL. Was there anything that stuck out that you kind of wish you knew going in as a rookie? Um, yeah, I just wish I would have um, leaned more. I wouldn't say lean more. I would say, let me, how would I word that? Um, going in as a rookie, I definitely would have uh, wish I would have just looked at it from a perspective that it is a business. It's, uh, it's more business than it is friendships. Uh, and uh, you, you grow to get friends throughout the business, but you truly have to walk in it with your head down and just um, you know, do what's best for you on a day to day and truly try to focus on what your game is and how you can help this team win. And more than, you know, uh, we're all brothers and we want to win the Super Bowl, you know, because say you have a losing season, a lot of guys are going to leave that team. A lot of guys are going to do what's best for them in that situation as far as the, for their family. So, and uh, once you realize that, it, it makes things a lot more easier. You know, leaving Ole Miss, it was more of a brotherhood. It wasn't – it was it was business, but it wasn't truly business. Like, it was just – we were building something. We were trying to win a national championship. And um, the faster you can grow and understand that you're walking into a business, you know, and you are a business, 
and you have to carry yourself and move and operate in that manner, um, the easier it'll be for you to transition and um, develop your skills the right way. You had obviously been through a lot um, by the time you got drafted from the injury and coming back and everything else. What was draft night like for you when you finally realized the dream? You know, you're a high pick in the NFL draft. You've been working for that all your life. Yeah. What was that moment like when you realized that this had finally come true? All this buildup was over with. Yeah, um, getting drafted was like a dream come true. I mean, you couldn't have drew it up any better. Like I couldn't ask for a better script story. Uh, it was in my home city, you know. Can't do, can't be any better than that. Then I had my daughter on stage. It couldn't be be any better than that. Um, getting drafted in the first round was amazing to Minnesota Vikings. Like everything was, you know, it was perfect. It, it couldn't have, it couldn't have went any better. And um, you know, it, it was just a super gratifying moment. Uh, definitely was uh, blown away by, you know, how fast it happened. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you're thinking like, man, I want to do this. I want to do this. And when it happens, it it's like a blink of an eye because it, it happened. And it's like, it's just a memory now. And you go into the NFL and every most of the guys been drafted or all of us are or most of the guys been drafted or all of us are in there competing for a spot. So and, and trying to make a living and keep our dreams alive. So, you know, it that that moment comes and it goes and uh, you just. You just hope for the best for every other guy that gets drafted after that. And, you, you know what I'm saying? Every year the draft come around, you reminisce on those times because that's one of the greatest moments of your life, you know, a dream coming true. I'm not even sure why I remember this, but I do remember there was a video shortly after you got drafted. Maybe you're in rookie mini camp, maybe it's training. I can't remember. But the rookie hazing is always funny to me. They filled your car. Was that Gushers? What happened there? You had like a Range Rover and you got out yeah. to the parking lot, if I'm not mistaken, and all of a sudden your car's filled up. What is what was that like? Oh, it was uh, Welch. Well, I think it was Welch Fruit Snacks. Okay. And uh, so my birthday, I think my birthday was that day or the, the, the next day or we were going to be off or something. That, and I come out and it's Teddy Bridgewater and Cal Rudolph's idea. So they come and uh, I go out to my car and and I think the the news, no, the uh, the Minnesota media was covering it. But come out of my car is like, and I got the brand new Range Rover. You know, it's funny. I went the humble approach, and I got a a Cadillac, a Tudor Cadillac or something. And uh, one of my teammates, Captain Money, was like, "Bro, you make too much money to drive that Cadillac." And so <laughs> me being a young guy, I'm getting influenced, and I'm like, "Man, eh, you might be right." And so I drive the Cadillac a couple more days, and I'm like. I'm steady seeing guys pull in in nice cars. I'm like, man, he's right. I'm like, I might need to go get me something better. So I go get the Range Rover. And then he comes, I come out from practice, which is like a mini camp day. And uh, I come out, I'm like, why is there, why is there like, <laughs> like, what's going on? And so I, I look in my car and I'm like, oh my God, they filled it up with fruit snacks. I, and, I, and I'm sitting there like, all right, what's the best thing I could do to make this like, a moment where I'll enjoy it because I'm like I'm not going to enjoy picking these up, so I'm gonna just try to <laughs> I'm gonna just try to make the most of it. So I, I open the door and they and they pour out. I mean they're all over the ground. I jump in, I take a couple pictures, and it goes viral. And everywhere I go that year, it's like you still got the fruit snacks, and I'm in the back, and it's like I got like ten boxes in the back of my trunk. I'm passing it out to the local stores that I go to. <laughs> so it was it was truly a fun time. Um, it was it was definitely a moment where I felt welcome, even though it was the opposite of being welcome. 
who had to clean that up and how many dollars worth of fruit snacks is that? We talking like thousands? It had to be. Yeah, <laughs> I had to clean that up. And I don't know how many dollars that was, but it was too many. And I had to and I had to clean them up. I had to box it. And I, guys are leaving the parking lot and I'm still boxing. <laughs> so <laughs> it was funny. A couple other guys helped me. I just don't remember who it was, but it was it was a funny moment for sure. Kind of rewinding to your career at Ole Miss, as I mentioned earlier, I was a college student when you guys came through. Um, I think you guys came through a year behind me. And I'm sophomore at Ole Miss. That was – I remember that signing day was like Christmas morning. We all skipped class. We're all sitting there crowded on the TV, whether it's you, Robert, Laramie, whatever, wow. watching all y'all signings. It's like class is not an option. It was honestly felt like a holiday. And you knew it was a big <laughs> moment in the moment when it happened. Yeah. And I'm just curious for a guy that was, you know, not originally from the South, could you sense how important that class was and how big of a deal, for the lack of a better phrase, you guys were when you got on campus? Yeah, I think uh, Hugh Freeze did a great job of, like, uh, communicating the urgency of us winning, winning now and what our class can do for this organ, uh, for this for this program. So, um you know, I wanted to be a guy who, when I signed, helped other guys want to feel comfortable with signing. So I took it upon myself. I, I think I signed first. I think I signed first. And then, because I knew kind of in the background, like other guys was like leaning on it just from going to camps and talking to each other and being on the phone, texting. And then, you know, Twitter was a big like recruiting way for players to like interact. So we was doing a lot of talking on Twitter and kind of building the hype. And I was just like, I kind of like this. Like, you know what I'm saying? I like this. So I went on to sign first. And um, and then I, I got to my recruit, put my recruiting hat on. And I tried to get Robert. And, and Robert was kind of swaying me because I'm like, this is the number one guy. If he's interested, I'm definitely going. Like, And so when, he, when I signed and then I seen him sign and then Laramie sign and then Tony sign, I was like, oh, we got, we got something. You know what I'm saying? And so – that 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 moment was man, that was crazy because I look back on it and it's just like I'm just a kid playing ball and we just we just doing normal things like talking, but I didn't know how big it was gonna be. But I I didn't I didn't even know like how big our class was gonna be. Like I didn't know it was gonna be a top five. Like we didn't know all that until like after you know everyone signs and the rankings come out. But we was just genuinely connecting and was like, man, let's go do this. Like let's go. Let's go make it happen. Let's go be great. Let's go change the program. Let's go beat these teams that, you know, think we can't beat them. And so when we when we got here, it was like we set off on that mission. And it was already understood from the day we started training together. And uh, once it happened, it was kind of like we kind of knew it. Like, And that was one of the things. Like, we knew we had a good team. It wasn't even like we were trying to force it or, like, make ourselves believe it. Just when, when the wind started rolling in, it was kind of like, see, we knew it. Like, we knew it. So, yeah, that was great. As we sit here live at Finch and Kelly's terrific store, all kinds of great suits. I believe you got a Finch and Kelly suit pretty recently, right? It's a great product. It's uh, please stop by here if you're on the square. You mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, you sign and then you kind of see other guys signing. Okay, we have something here. I know you guys talk in the recruitment process, but you didn't know for a fact like that that Robert or Laramie or Tony are even going to sign. Y'all didn't know that for certain? We didn't know. Really? Yeah, no one knew. They didn't know if I was going to sign, and I didn't know if they were going to sign. And then when it hit, it was like, let's go. And then everybody started, this is a top five recruitment. And then it's like – I mean, LeBron James tweeted about y'all yeah, that day. I was right? like, damn, yeah, man, man this crazy. is nuts. Yeah, that was crazy, man, because it was it was, it was was so organic. Like I, like I said, like nobody was really like knowing 
And then Laramie was already committed to Georgia, so that came out of nowhere. Like, it was kind of like, oh, we got the number one tackle, too? Oh, let's go. And it just it just worked out like that. It was, you know what I'm saying? It was something that you just had to see. Like, it wasn't really much talked about as far as, like, hey, yeah, we can go be a top five class or anything. It was just like, hey, let's go play. Let's go win. Let's go beat these teams. And after that, it was a domino effect, you know. You and Laramie are still playing out your careers in the NFL. He was, I think, probably the hardest position plug-and-play-wise from high school to college is offensive line. It yeah. just doesn't really happen a lot, and Laramie yeah. was pretty much the closest thing to that. How quickly did you know how big of a freak he was from an offensive tackle standpoint? And when we went to the basketball court, man, we would go to the basketball court with Laramie Tonza, and I tell you, he can Euro like Russell Westbrook. Really? I'm telling you, this guy's Yo, he could do it all, yo. Like, and that's when I was like, all right, I'm not, I'm not worried about nobody getting a sack on him in college. Like, it was that, it was like that, like, because it was, it, we would always go to the wreck. It was me, well, Devontae Kincaid, Laramie, me, and uh, it was like us three for sure. And then it was like a couple other guys that would come in and out. And this guy gets the ball, six, eight, whatever he weighs, and he's like, you're ruined. I'm like, bro, what is going on? I'm like, bro, you can't even guard this dude. Someone that big's not supposed to move like man, that. Man, exactly. And I'm like, man, this dude could have played in the NBA. Like, <laughs> not seriously. Like, he's he's that freaky. And when you think about it, like, he goes and, you know, hurts himself and, you know, and just – like his career is still like he's playing at the highest level. Like one of our coaches told us the other day, Joe D, he was like, uh, I watched Laramie the other day. Like he's playing his best I've ever seen him play. And like this year eight, year seven, year eight for him. So it's like, I mean, it, I'm I'm not surprised. You know, I always felt like he was playing his best. And uh, obviously his contract says that too. So he's doing a great job. We will get back to Laquan Treadwell live from Finch and Kelly off the square in just one second. But before we do, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experience. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. 
All right, back to the Quan brought to you by Blue Sky. I was just starting out in like student media when you guys all got to campus. I just started covering football really that year. And one of the things I always appreciated about you, even as like 18, 19 year old kid, you always had very great perspective. You were very well spoken. You were one of the few non boring quotes, which <laughs> there's a lot of them in college football. But I always kind of appreciate your approach to things. And it seemed like you were a guy on a mission that knew what you needed to do to get where you needed to go. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of have that foresight of like, hey, like this is a journey here. We're on the path at such a young age, because there's a lot of distractions when you're 17, 18 years old. Hell, there's a lot when you're 19, 20, still in college. How did you stay focused on the task at hand and what you needed to do to, you know, change your life and have a wonderful career? Yeah, I think it was my upbringing. You know, my mom said my mom worked hard, um, knowing what was at stake, knowing that, you know, I have a possibility, you know, achieve my dreams and my goals. And then. Um, having a daughter early on in my life, you know, it, it shaped my perspective early on where I had to sacrifice a lot of things early on, like from leaving high school, I had to sacrifice a lot of things like the fun with my friends and just kind of mature and like, you know, know that I'm actually being an example for someone who's under me, who's, uh, going to see all my decisions and, um, you know, just kind of follow it. And, you know, having a girl is, is one thing, but being young and having a girl, it just it kind of molded me to just kind of do what's right, you know, do what's right or what I feel is right um, in every situation. You know, I fall short, you know, but, you know, I try to keep my my, my shortcomings uh, to a minimum and try to do the best thing. And so, um, yeah, just all that combined and, you know, going through things in life, seeing a lot of friends go through things in life, it just kind of shaped and molded me to kind of, want to continue to try to be around the positivity of life and, you know, just kind of look for things that are positive and, and try to have a positive outlook and perspective on anything that you go through. And uh, that's really what it, what it boils down to when it comes to when I was in college and the dreams and the goals that I had, I, I had to, I had to focus and lock in on them and, and make them come true. And I try to hold that to this day where it's, you know, stay locked in on my dream. What was that day like in 2014 when y'all beat Alabama? That day never ended. <laughs> that day was going for like three weeks. <laughs> that day didn't stop, man. It was it was, it rolled over. It was it was like one of those days that just you didn't know if you was you went to sleep and woke up and it was still going like it was just nonstop excitement. It was talked about class. It was talked about. I don't think I read one book that week. Did any homework? <laughs> no, nah, it was it was it was truly amazing, man. Uh, it was just a overall great experience. Um, I mean, it just it's something that like our class, our group. That's something like it is like one of the staples. Obviously, we would love to win a national championship, but like that's one of our staple pieces where we like we can all come together and like pull up that picture of the the crowd and us being in the middle of it, guys hanging off the goalpost. Like we could talk about all that for years and years and down the line. That's something we'll be able to show our kids and, you know, later on when uh, maybe we have a reunion and we just all get together and we just have a, a sit down and just embrace those memories. I actually knew the dude who was hanging up the top of the goalpost. I don't think he had a real plan there. He he escaped it uninjured, but I, I don't think he really had a great idea of what the hell he was trying to do when that happened. I don't think nobody had an idea what we were doing after that happened.
<laughs> he was like coming down as the goalpost is falling down. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, I don't that mean that he, he probably should have had like a carabiner and a harness on, but hey, you know what? He did what he did that day. One of the things that was fascinating to me, and I know we talked about this the last time we did a podcast. Yo, beat them in 2014. You knew how good you were going back into 2015. I remember I was actually talking to Sean Rawlings, who I've gotten to know a little bit mm-hmm. in 2015. And he's a redshirt freshman because Tunsil yeah. suspended. He didn't think he's going to have to play. He was telling me he was like riding the bus into Tuscaloosa. He's like trying not to wet himself on the bus. He is nervous beyond belief, but he's like, dude, it makes it worse because the rest of the team thinks we're going to go in and about to kick the shit out of him. <laughs> like y'all are so confident that year. Did y'all act like, was the belief different that year? Because I remember Absolutely. even just as a fan walking in the game, I was like, this is the first time I actually believe we're about to walk into Bryant-Denny Stadium <laughs> and beat the hell out of these guys. Absolutely. No, we that we that no, be serious. Like his story is funny because I didn't feel like that on the bus. It was it was more like I was relaxed. Like That's why he felt alone. He goes, yeah. No one else feels like this, dude. It's just me. It's like I almost shit myself, but <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But no, nah, but no, it wasn't that I don't think we were more confident. I think we just I just think we had more like assurance that we could beat them like it wasn't like oh yeah we about to beat alabama again like we knew like this is alabama they know it ain't like the first time was extremely hard so going in the next time like and that's the thing with playing them you have to know that they're going to make plays on your mistakes like if you mess up they're going to make they're going to capitalize they have they have a lot of depth they have a lot of talent and they're going to capitalize and we knew that like we knew that from playing them the first time and and that game, the second time, the ball bounced our way when we, you know, Chad was like, whatever, like, chucked it up. And it was like, Quincy scored. We was like, oh, snap, here we go again. Like, but we did have that. We had that belief. We had, but we had more like assurance that like, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a possibility that we could do it again. And so as the game going on and going into that for me, uh, I was going through my own battle because I had I had not scored the whole year. I was coming off the leg injury. I haven't scored. And I, and I remember that like, man, I haven't scored all year, bro. Come on, bro. I got this. What is Alabama? Like this, this the one. You know what I'm saying? This the one that's gonna make the difference. And so Chad threw me the ball on the left side and I score. And I'm like, let's go. Like, this is what I've been waiting on. So it was like, like a gift from God. Like, yeah, you you haven't scored all year, but you score when it counts. So um, we go out, we play a good game, we fight. And like we like I said, we know we're gonna get their best as Alabama. Like they're gonna always play their best at, or at least close to their best. And if you don't play your best, they'll beat you. So we went down there and did it twice. It was kind of like, man, can't nobody beat us no more. <laughs> like we, we just had that confidence. Like man, we're not gonna lose no more this season, and uh, we probably should have been more humble about it. <laughs> but sorry, I'll never forget. In 2016, this is the year after you left. Um, Ole Miss is playing Florida State in Camping World Stadium in Orlando, yeah. and I'm there early, and I watch the team come through, and Chad comes through the tunnel. And he has the most insane look in his eye where I'm like, I'm pretty sure if I get in this guy's eyesight, he might try to kill me. But like he was locked in. And I always heard he was kind of like a psycho in the best way from talking to Sean and a couple other people on game days. What was that guy like on game day? Chad Kelly had run through a brick wall for anybody on his team. Like, and that's what I loved about him. Like when like when he meant to when he wanted to play, like when it's time to play, like it wasn't no. It wasn't no shortcomings of what what he was coming to do. He was coming to dominate. You know, you see it in some of his runs. Like, he would jump and get flipped in the air. And there's some things I wouldn't even do. I'm like, you all right, bro? Like, get up. Let's go. And I'm like, yo, you just did a whole cartwheel, landed on your neck, got up, 
like nothing happened, bro. Like no hesitation, nothing. And I'm like, you don't see that in quarterbacks. Like most quarterbacks slide. He's like coming to the SEC. He's like trying to truck guys. I'm like, bro, you are not 220. Like, <laughs> but like that's what made you love him, and that's what made you want to play harder for him. It was like he would go balls to the wall. I actually worked out with him um, two off seasons ago. I actually going into Jacksonville, bro. He had me out there doing two minute drill, bro. Off season, bro. He was killing me. I'm like dead tired. He's like, let's go, Trent. No, till Trevor throw you the ball, bro. Like. And I, I haven't even met Trevor yet. Like, I'm just like, bro, I just got I just got on the team. You're like, just tell him, give you a chance. You won, bro. You won. And so, like, like that's that's what you're gonna get from him. Like, he loves the game. Like, he like, and he's one of the one of the best quarterbacks I play with. He can throw every ball, like velocity, touch on it. He's gonna compete for the third first down. Like, he's one of the best quarterbacks I've I've played with for sure. And, you know, um, you know that's still my dog to this day, man. He's a, he's an amazing guy, and uh, you know, maybe I have to call him this off to you. <laughs> Get some more two minute in. I know we talked about your injury before, but that night when that happens, it happens right around the one one yard line. I'm not sure I've ever actually witnessed Walt Hemingway just have a sense of deflation. Uh, after that happens, there was also confusion because most people thought you scored. And then all of a sudden, while you're hurt, they're reviewing it. And then as you're being carted off, they're like, actually, this guy didn't score. Like the game's over. What do you remember about that play? What was, were you in pretty immediate pain? Were you kind of on adrenaline? What happened that play? And what do you remember about the immediate aftermath? Yeah, I was definitely on adrenaline. I uh, wasn't in immediate pain. I was more in shock because I knew something was wrong. Cause I had I had similar incident like that, but I didn't like hurt myself. You know, most time when you get dragged, a lot of guys do let go of the ball to like kind of save their body. And so um, it was such a pivotal moment in the game. And so, like you said, with the adrenaline and I'm running, I don't even see the guy, so I'm running, 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 and it's just a normal play for me. Like we do screens all the time, and uh, you know I was used to getting screens and making a guy miss, breaking the tackle, doing all that. And so when I when I cross the end zone, you know, I'm I'm thinking I scored. You know, I'm not thinking, oh, I, I just lost us the game and I'm now my leg and my my season's over. But I knew I broke my leg or something bad happened. And um, so the ball was rolling and I'm trying to get out the way because I'm seeing guys like, you know, guys running fumbles like like no other. And so they sprint to the ball and I'm crawling out the way. And I just look back and I'm like, dang, like, this is bad. This is bad. I felt it. I'm like, this is bad. And so. I didn't even know my leg did everything that it did. But when I, you know, end up watching the video, you know, it was that's what I felt like. Everything you see in the video is literally what I felt, you know, from the from the stands to the to the the ball falling to them ruling the uh, uh, fumble, almost ball to now getting carted off. Like it was just one of those moments where it's like I couldn't imagine doing that again. I won't. I don't want to do that again. But um, it was just one of the moments where, you know, it's part of the game and. I, I grew a lot from that. Honestly, I grew a lot as a person. Um, just having to persevere through that and learn and grow and uh, push through, and then you know, still achieve my goal to get drafted. You know, it was it was one of those moments where it, it changed the trajectory of my life as a person. Um, it made me look at life different. It made me um, show that if I can put my mind to something, I can do it. And that was one of those moments where, you know, in my young adulthood, I was able to you know, put my mind to overcoming this injury, um, making the necessary sacrifice, working hard, staying dedicated, staying dedicated, staying committed. Uh, anything is possible. And that was one of the, one of the moments where it's like, it showed me that it, 
you know, it pays off, you know, most of the times, you know, I had my family pushing me, but I was here in Oxford, you know, alone. And, uh, you know, I went through my growth and uh, came out on the other side really well. I remember the first time we talked about this, I may be misremembering, but didn't someone in the tunnel tell you that you didn't score? You didn't find out like you're on the cart. Like, how did you find out you had not scored? I thought I remember the first time we talked about this. It's like you didn't find out till you were actually off the field that you hadn't scored. Yeah. So um, in the stadium, they have this room where like if you get injured, you go in. But it's like right in the bleachers. I can hear it over the intercom. Okay. So it was like, I really did not. And I can just hear all the fans like slowly walk out the stadium. Like it was like that. And you could hear it, and then you hear their band. I think they brought their band or something. Auburn did bring their band, and I just like I could remember everything from that. But yeah, it was like they brought their band out, and it was just like, oh, this is crazy. Like I didn't score, and then I think my mom was there. My mom was there. My brothers and my fr- my my friends was there, and I was just like, I'm gonna be all right. Like I wouldn't. I was just like, I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna be back. It was like I had a piece, like a piece about it. Like I was like, I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna be back. And um and and then I wrote a little message on Instagram. Then Zell Medici showed up. You know, it was it was it was a surreal moment, and uh, it 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 helped shape my life honestly. As we kind of wrap up here, one of the things that I think working as a short time as a reporter as I did when you cover guys that have injuries, I think what a lot of the general public doesn't realize is, hey, like guy gets injured, he's out for the year, he's kind of just out of the spotlight. People don't think about him until he comes back the next year. But I don't think what people realize is how hard the path is to come back where you have a year timeline, a year rehab where you're just doing the same thing over and over again with like no light at the end of the tunnel. And it can wear on people mentally. How hard is that to get through an entry like that? And what kind of pushed you through it? Oh yeah. It's it's extremely hard. And what pushed me through it, man, is, is my teammates, man, my teammates, the fans that was here, man, I got a lot of love from so many people around the world. They were sending letters and I was, you know, taking the time out to read them. And um, some days were harder than others. And, um, you know, Denzel ended up getting hurt and Laramie ended up getting hurt, I think, the same year. So we all kind of was able to use that as, you know, motivation. Like, oh, he's walking? Oh, I need to, you know what I'm saying? I need to keep pushing so I can start walking. Oh, he's running? Oh, I need to keep pushing so I can Oh, he's cutting? And we would just use that as motivation. Maybe we didn't say it, but that was a part of it, like seeing those guys, you know, go through their process. I know we all having the same goal winning a national championship and, you know, ended up being hurt in the same year. Like, it just kind of like, you know, seeing each other, like, go through these processes. You know, I would help Larry because he got hurt in the bowl game and I got hurt later on, early on. And then Denzel would help me because he got hurt earlier than me. So, it was like, we all just kind of, like, leaned on each other's brothers because that's what it was based on. It was, like, showing love and, and looking out for each other. And, and, and that's how we all was able to come through and be better that next year on top of, you know, our own perseverance and our own grit and our own dreams that, you know, we were trying to keep alive. So that's, that was, it's truly, and it, it is hard. It is hard. It's not easy. You know, some nights, like I say, it's harder than others. Um, and you got to look within and you got to, you know, pray to what, what you believe in. And, 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 you know, that most of the time it works out if you, you know, you continue to push and you just don't, just don't give up on yourself. One last quick sidebar. This is honestly mostly for my own curiosity. I remember after that Alabama game, Robert had a hell of a game that night. He comes and speaks to the media. And again, I'm just starting in reporting career. I've probably covered like six practices in yeah. a press conference. And he comes in and he had a hell of a game and he starts. 
I think I swear to God, I think he credited like the moons and the tides. And I think there may have been some Grateful Dead lyrics in there. I was like, that was mesmerizing to listen to, but I'm not actually sure what the hell he just said. When did you kind of realize Robert was kind of like a different dude? Because he kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. But man, what a talent. Man, he, he was man from the very beginning. You know, Robert, Robert's so intelligent. Like it, it scared me. Like, <laughs> like you said, like he said some things you'd be like. <laughs> what exactly did you just say here? It like, makes a lot of sense, but it, I don't know how to take that. Like, you know, but he, man, he was a great guy. Like, Robert was probably one of the greatest teammates I've ever had. Uh, him and his brother. Um, but I knew he was different. You know, he had a cat. Like, most guys in college, they don't have cats. Like, they either have a dog, but he had a cat. Like, you know, so I was like, right. and I live, I live right here and he lived down the road. So, if I looked out my window, like his cat is on the roof, like, you know, cause you know, the window sliding is like a roof. So he had a cat and I was just like, that's Robert. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not to judge him, but he was, he truly was different. And um, he's truly still a great guy. Still a, you know, I think I heard a lot of stories about him, you know, uh, he's doing great. He's doing better. So um, that's my dog, man. To the end. Last thing I have for you is you enter, I mean, you're in the middle of another year in the NFL. You've been in the league a long time. Has your mentality changed at all in terms of like what you want to accomplish? You know, being a veteran, like we talked about earlier, is is your mindset any different than it was when you got into the league? I tell people all the time, if you like me coming out, I'm way better than when I came out. So it's for you to give me an opportunity to play. Um, my mindset is it's on a whole other level. Like, and that just comes with maturity and and growth. Um, I'm sharpening my thoughts. I'm sharpening what I want to do, how to be the guy. I'm actually a, a um, crafted player now, and I'm just not using my talent. You know, I'm, I'm using skill. I'm using thoughts. I'm using um, what the defense is giving me. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just sharper overall player, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I work at it every day, and um, – I'm, I'm better in my film studies. I'm just, everything is just a lot more intense, a lot more sharper, um, a lot more at stake. You know, I feel like now than ever, you know, early on, you know, you're just you, you're running with the dream and you're running with it, you're running with it. And I feel like now it's, you know, a lot of people look past me or 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 think I still can't do it. And that's what motivates me. And, and, and it's not that it motivates me every day, but that's part of the motivation and, my whole motivation is to achieve all my dreams that I know I can do. And I know that I know that know that I have that capability of doing, you know, now it's just all about the 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 opportunity. And once I get the opportunity, I just got to capitalize on it. And uh, by the grace of God, just stay, stay peaceful and, and stay present and just uh, be dialed in and just persevere through everything, you know, cause you know, one, like they say, everybody got a plan to get in the mouth. And so, I've been hitting the mouth, so I, I, I'm I'm ready to like you know hit back. So that's why I stand with this. As we wrap up live here from Finch and Kelly's on the Square, please come by. It's an awesome store with a lot of great apparel. I really appreciate everybody's help Blue in Sky. doing this, particularly Chase Blue Sky for sponsoring this show. Chase for setting up the equipment because I'm a four year old that doesn't know how to work any of this equipment. But please come by. Thank you everybody for doing this. And lastly, thank you Laquan. I really appreciate it. I told Michael the first time we did a podcast, you were one of my favorite interviews of all time, and I really enjoyed this man. Time thank flew you. by, and I appreciate you doing this and enjoy the weekend. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, shout out to Blue Sky. All right, that'll do it for our show. Hope y'all enjoyed that. There's also a video version of the podcast on MPW's YouTube feed, so be sure to check that out if that interests you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We'll be back with Weldon on Sunday with a lot of college football. 
opinions uh, as we look through conference championship weekend, the playoff. And by that time, we will know where Ole Miss is going bowl game wise. And we'll dissect that as well. So thank you for listening to the show. As always, we'll catch you again here real soon.